I first noticed feeling low when I was pregnant with Morgan. It required all of my willpower just to do daily tasks. Were my pregnant hormones affecting me? Two months after Morgan was born, we moved to Alaska. Now I had to deal with long winters and short days. Was my emotional darkness due to seasonal affective disorder? But my depression didn't go away after Morgan's birth or with summer. I dealt with depression for over a decade. There were times I felt normal and functioned well, but there always seemed to be a cloud hovering over me. And too often, it rained in my life for days, weeks, or even months at a time. My depression was reflected in such feelings as empty, uneasy, lost, not knowing what to do, conflicted, anxious, numb, irritable, low, not enjoying my kids and husband, being sad that I wasn't enjoying my kids and husband, overwhelmed by people and stuff to do, not wanting to talk to my sisters or parents, not wanting to talk or be around my husband's family, feeling like I'm going crazy. Things that, things that were once exciting became uninteresting. My drive was gone. Planning my day used to come naturally, but with depression, I had to think extra hard about what to do and then talk myself into doing it. One day, Mike encouraged me to ski with him. I agreed because exercise is a great counter to depression. But this particular day, I couldn't get myself ready to ski on my own. Mike had to tell me every step to take to get dressed. I merely responded to his instructions. My brain wouldn't initiate anything. Once I got moving on skis, I started feeling better, and eventually I felt great. But as soon as I got back into the car, my brain shut off again. At times, I felt like my soul was dying. When I was very low, it was difficult to pray. Words simply wouldn't come. All I could utter was, God help. I had a hard time admitting that I was depressed. When I'd have good days, I'd think, maybe I'm making too much of my bad days. I prided myself on being analytical. I was going to think my way out of depression. I was going to choose not to be depressed. But that never worked. I didn't tell many people how I was feeling. I didn't want to be a downer. I didn't think most people would understand. I didn't feel like I had good reasons to be depressed. The few times I did tell someone, as often as not, those people would downplay what I was going through as common experience. A big reason I didn't talk about my depression was because I worried that others would assume I had a spiritual problem. At least one pastor I worked with saw depression as not fully relying on God and a form of selfishness. I didn't really believe that my depression stemmed from spiritual failure, but I didn't know how to prove it. I also resisted getting professional help. Going to a counselor or a doctor for depression made me feel weak and crazy. But I finally sought out help when my thoughts became disturbingly negative and a doctor put me on an antidepressant. The first time I was on medication, I literally felt my brain tingling. 
I soon felt like my brain was functioning normally again. At one point, I had my brain chemical levels tested. My medical provider told me that she'd never seen results that were globally low. Every one of my key brain chemicals was at the bottom. Finally, I thought to myself, it's not just in my head. <laughs> I tried different medications over the years to find the best one, to be economical, to avoid certain side effects. I also tried to, several times to come off meds to see if I can maintain mental health without them. But I always ended up back on the meds until very recently. Taking antidepressants didn't make handling the dark winters a piece of cake or eliminate the frustrations of life, but I felt like I could handle these things again with a clear mind. Exercise and vitamin D were also important. It took a few years after I first felt depressed to try medications, and then a few more years to see a psychologist. I wish I had done both a lot sooner. The saddest thing about being depressed was not enjoying my family. I loved my family. I thought they were wonderful, but I didn't want to be around them very much. It all seemed unintelligible because I thought, I have a good life. I'm blessed. I should be thrilled with my great husband and kids. Why do I feel miserable? I was so confused. My feelings did not match reality, but I couldn't think away my depression. It just didn't seem like my brain was working right. As hard as the depression was, God's grace was in the midst of it. Something good did come out of my decade of depression. It was getting over myself. When I wasn't depressed, I was able to accomplish a lot. But depression significantly limited what I could do. I felt disabled. This bothered me because I took pride in being productive and felt good about my accomplishments. But eventually, I surrendered my need to produce and accomplish. I decided to accept God's will for my life, even if it didn't include changing the world. God is only calling me to do what he empowers me to do. When Mike and I first talked about planning this church, I didn't think I could do it because of my depression. At the time, I thought I needed to leave Alaska in order to feel good. But God challenged me to step out in faith and trust him with my depression. There was a particular moment, it was a very definitive moment. My eyes met the eyes of a friend here in Anchorage who doesn't know the Lord, and I heard in my spirit God whisper, if you stay and plant a church in Anchorage, many people like your friend will find life in Christ. That was the turning point for me. I came home, told Mike we had to stay and plant a church. And he said, what about the depression? And I said, even if I have to be depressed in the winters, we have to do this. But by God's grace, once I put a stake in the ground, the cloud lifted. I can say for a fact now that my decade of depression ended at that moment. I still took antidepressants for three more years, but I never had another suicidal thought since that moment.
I thank God for medication and the freedom from depression that I'm experiencing now. And I know that if God allows depression to return, he will be there. Thank you, sweetie. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And that's why Sabrina shared her story today. Uh, And that wasn't easy. She wrestled with that all week long. Uh, But she shared her story because God has comforted her. And uh, she wants to share that comfort with you so that you can be comforted. And I'm, you know, to my regret, I did not encourage Sabrina to see a counselor. I didn't encourage her to see a doctor. I certainly didn't encourage her to get on medication. I was a passive participant. And I was passive because I was confused about this whole topic. And I was ambivalent uh, uh, regarding medication for sure. And I was ambivalent for at least two reasons. Uh, first off, I, I ass- I've never been depressed, you know, maybe 30 minutes or something like that. Uh, and, and so I just, I just thought, you know, depression always has a spiritual, you know, root to it. And thus it makes sense that it would have a spiritual solution. And so I didn't want Sabrina to take meds because I thought, well, maybe that would just sort of uh, obscure the real issue. Uh, maybe God's trying to work on her in some area. And if she takes meds and starts to feel better, then um, you know, maybe she'll stop kind of pursuing and, and seeking for what it is that God's trying to uh, do in her life. Now, Granted, I lived with her, and I watched her closely, and I was trying to find out what the spiritual issue in her life was. Uh, but I, could, I couldn't see it. Uh, she read her Bible and prayed more than I did. She had a, a great faith, tremendous biblical knowledge. I couldn't uh, figure what their big sin issue was in her life. Secondly, I, I didn't know much about antidepressants. I just knew I didn't like the idea of taking in chemicals. I thought, I don't want her to get hooked on, you know, you know, dependent on drugs. Who knows what the long-term side effects of antidepressants might be. And so I was confused, and I wasn't very helpful. And I regret, I regret that, because the fact of the matter is, uh, I, I could have been a better counselor to her. I could have helped her get the help that she needed, and frankly, she and our entire family could have avoided years uh, of some, some darkness that, that we went through. And that's one of the reasons I'm passionate about this topic, because I'm hoping that uh, God can comfort you through the comfort with which we receive, that God can help you avoid uh, maybe some years of, of, of unnecessary uh, hardship and darkness. Here's what I concluded. At the end of the day, uh, I've studied about, you know, the, what, when Sabrina took medication, there was an, an immediate improvement that was noticeable to me, <laughs> very much. 
And it forced me to rethink some of my assumptions about the role of medication in the fight for joy. And here's what I've ultimately concluded. Christians who remain depressed after applying spiritual solutions as best they know how should consider medication. So should Christians who are severely depressed. So if you have been depressed for quite a while, you have applied the spiritual solutions the best you know how and you remain depressed, please consider uh, seeing, a, uh, seeing a professional, seeing a doctor, somebody who can prescribe you medication. And if you're severely depressed, if you have suicidal thoughts, you need to do that immediately. In fact, today, leave here, go make an appointment to see somebody who can, who can help you. Dr. Paul Meyer, uh, he was um, a professor at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School a few years before I got there. He's the uh, Meyer of the famous Minneth and Meyer Clinic, probably uh, the most well-known Christian uh, counseling center in the world. It's based, uh, started in Texas. And in this book, he, uh, if you're interested, he's written a big, uh, a good book on this, um, the role of medication, the fight for joy, called Blue Jeans. And in the book, he tells the story of Charles Rausch. Charles was a student at Trinity, training to become uh, a missionary. And uh, Dr. Meyer says, he was different from all my other students. Never laughed at my jokes. Never smiled. Just, he was Eeyore. There was a cloud over his life. And, and I felt for him. And so one day before class, I said, Charles, would you meet with me after class? He said, okay. After class, uh, I made a beeline to the student office, pulled his file, rushed back to my office, went through it really quickly before he arrived. Now, at Trinity, uh, we all had to take the uh, MMPI test, this major psychological exam. And so he reviewed Charles's MMPI scores. He's, he was 99 percentile on depression and masochism, the need to suffer. And so Dr. Meyer said, uh, joked with him, Charles, I bet, you know, with scores like these, I bet you're planning to be a missionary to Ethiopia. To which he dourly replied, I am. <laughs> Dr. Meyer said, you know what? Going to Ethiopia as a missionary in response to the call of God is awesome and noble, but not because your mother was domineering. Of course, he didn't know. But he then uh, met weekly with Charles for quite a while and, un and, and unpacked his story. Turns out that Charles has a family history of depression and schizophrenia and other mental illnesses. So eventually, Dr. Meyer, who's a, a psychiatrist, uh, recommended that Charles take uh, some medication. And he, he did. And when he did, there was an immediate improvement. All of a sudden, he started smiling. He got Dr. Meyer's jokes uh, and, and it was like a different person. He did go to Ethiopia as a missionary, but with a very different spirit. He's been there 30 years, and he still takes medication. And Dr. Meyer makes the argument, you know what? As long as he does that, he will be a joy-filled, uh, effective minister for Christ in Ethiopia. But if he gets off the, the meds, uh, he's going to spiral down because his depression is in part uh, due to chemical imbalances in the brain. Sometimes taking medication uh, is a wise thing to do in the fight for joy. 
And let me give you three reasons why that's the case. Uh, first off, it's wise because, you know, our brains can be corrupted by the fall in the, in the same way as the rest of our body. Ever since Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden fruit and sin entered our world, uh, there has been corruption, brokenness that has seeped out. That's why we have famine and war and earthquakes, right? And, and relational conflict and why, why we get sick. And so we as Christians, we evangelical Christians, uh, we just take it for granted that if, you know, if you've got diabetes, well, of course you should take insulin. And, and uh, if you have got cancer, of course try chemotherapy and radiation. Why would we think that the, that the brain is somehow exempt from the corrupting influence of the fall? Or, you know, I don't see that in Scripture. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a medical doctor, became a a very famous preacher in London in the mid-1900s. And here's what he says. You cannot isolate the spiritual from the physical, for we are body, mind, and spirit. The greatest and best Christians, when they're physically weak, are more prone to an attack of spiritual depression than at any other time. The greatest and best Christians, when they're physically weak, are more prone to an attack of spiritual depression than at any other time. And and sometimes uh, our brains get affected by uh, the corruption of the fall. Second reason taking medication is sometimes wise in the fight for joy. Uh, Because, you know, antidepressants can help us deal, sometimes they can help us deal with... uh, Spiritual issues with a clear mind. You hear, heard Sabrina talk about this. Uh, there are four, at least four, chemicals in the brain that are uh, necessary and need to be in balance for us to not be anxious and, and not have depression, for us to have mental well-being. Uh, serotonin, dopamine, GABA, and norepinephrine. And those levels, you have to have, all those levels have to be up and they have to be balanced. And sometimes, like when Sabrina got tested, hers were globally low. And sometimes they get out of balance. And when they do, it affects our mood. And by God's grace, uh, we now have um, medication. We didn't have this uh, 100 years ago. That can help uh, balance those chemicals. Uh, Why would we leave that help on the shelf. We don't, know, uh, we don't know exactly what causes the decrease, you know, perfectly. We don't know what causes imperfection, the uh, imbalances. Uh, it can be, you know, an unhealthy lifestyle. You're not sleeping well. You're not eating right. You're not exercising. Uh, it can be due to stress. It can be due to guilt. It can be due to anger. It can be due to, you know, there are lots of possible reasons. In fact, uh, there can be spiritual problems or spiritual issues that are contributing to uh, the, the, the brain being out of balance. Okay, but why not take the medication, get, your, you know, get the chemicals in your brain balanced so that you're thinking clearly, and then go address the spiritual issues in your life, which there, there might be there. And so remember in Sabrina's story, she talked about how, you know, she just, her brain fell off. She didn't feel like she could process properly. Here is what uh, uh, John Piper, uh, pastor in Bethlehem Bible Church, a great theologian, 
he wrote, wrote a book called When the Darkness Will Not Lift. Here's what he writes. The condition of our bodies makes a difference in the capacity of our minds to think clearly and of our souls to see the beauty of hope-giving truth. The condition of our bodies makes a difference in the capacity of our minds to think clearly and of our souls to see the beauty of hope-giving truth. So, man, uh, if there... If there are spiritual issues bound up in your depression, which is very often the case, right? Well, doesn't it kind of make sense that you might as well you know, get on an, uh, on an antidepressant that can help your chemicals get in balance so that you can think clearly, and thus you'll be, uh, frankly, be more able to address what other issues there might be. And there might very well be other issues. Uh, and, you know, medication isn't going to, if you've got spiritual issues, medication isn't going to uh, solve those issues. In fact, with Sabrina, you know, medication was, was a tremendous help, but she was, uh, I would say she was missing a life purpose that was you know, com- compelling enough for her. And so there was a, a tr- another big advance when she uh, made the decision to plant the church and and, and, and had a a mission and a purpose that was uh, exciting and compelling to her. And the final reason it's uh, sometimes wise to take medication in the fight for joy is because, you know, taking antidepressants might be our act of faith. Uh, Some Christians believe that uh, taking medication is spiritual failure. Let me tell another story that Dr. Meyer tells in his book. He said, uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, two young men training to become pastors, and both of them uh, roughly the same time had mental you know, breakdowns. They started exhibiting, uh, 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 hang on a second, bipolar. They started exhibiting uh, bipolar. Uh, and so their professors recommended to both of them, go to the Minnith and Meyer Clinic, get seen. And they did. Dr. Meyer treated him there. Now, one of the students, uh, and, and after, you know, unpacking their story, he, he suggested medication for both of them. There was an immediate improvement. Uh, they were kind of back to normal. Now, one of those students uh, was discharged, went back to Dallas Theological Seminary, completed his schooling, went on to become a pastor, uh, and has been uh, a, a healthy, successful pastor for many years, doing great. The other student, however, this unfortunately, this student's pastor, uh, pastor came to the clinic, talked to the student and said, you know what, you should not be on medication. It's, this is a faith issue, and you're trying, to, uh, you're trying to avoid the faith problem by taking meds. So you need to get out of this clinic, stop taking your meds, and have faith that God's going to heal you. So the student discharged early. And let me read uh, to you the rest of that story. The other student grew up in a legalistic church where medications that affected the brain were considered sinful. His pastor visited the hospital, persuaded the young seminarian to discharge early and stop taking medication. The pastor reasoned, if this man had enough faith, he would be healed. 
that student never recovered and continues to be delusional and non-functional in society today. He still has the delusion that he's governor of a large state and hears imaginary voices. His pastor blamed his lack of faith. Shouldn't the blame instead be placed on a pastor who refused to let God work through medication to restore a young man's life? Wow. Shouldn't the blame instead be placed on a pastor who refused to let God work through medication to restore a young man's life? Listen, it's the, it's the uh, Christian scientists and other wackos who, who say, I demand from God that he heal me apart from medicine. We don't. We say, God, heal our beloved friend. Heal our husband, our wife, our child. And, and give the doctor great wisdom. Give the surgeon incredible skill. God, we pray that the medication will have full and total effect. And when God chooses to heal through advances in medical knowledge and, he through, and even through a non-Christian surgeon, we say, praise God, thank you for the healing. And we recognize it as a manifestation of God's grace, right? And I think we need to look at antidepressants, which God is, it, it's, it's uh, God's grace has been poured out upon humanity in, in the not so long ago. So why leave it on the shelf? And I think it's a bit uh, arrogant and maybe even stubborn to say, God, I will only receive healing from you that comes apart from any natural means. Shouldn't we recognize God's grace in all its forms and say, you know what? Uh, I'm going to receive that as God's grace in my life. So here's the purpose statement I wrote for this sermon. I want to free Christians from the fear that taking medication is a failure of faith. I want people to see antidepressants as, one, as a manifestation of God's grace. If antidepressants help you feel better, take them. Now, if there are spiritual issues tied up with your depression, well, yeah, those will need to be addressed. But let's tackle them with a clear head. Here's John Piper again. I really like this. Here's how he ends his... Uh, ends his discussion about medication, uh, antidepressants. He said, if you're taking antidepressants or consider taking them, I do not condemn you for that, nor does the Bible. It might or might not be the best course of action. I commend you to the wisdom of a God-centered, Bible-saturated medical doctor. If there was imperfection in the choice to use medication, the imputed righteousness of Christ will swallow it up as you rest in him. Isn't that freeing? You know what? Uh, if there's imperfection, you know, maybe, uh, uh, maybe antidepressants weren't the actual, uh, you know, wasn't, it wasn't the best thing. It wasn't absolutely necessary. Maybe there, was, maybe there was even imperfection in your choice to use medication. Remember what we talked about uh, last year, or last week? Uh, Man, we, are, we, are, uh, we have the righteousness of Christ that is clothing us. And, uh, and life is about learning. So I would say, try it out. And the Lord will, the Lord will continue to reveal uh, what, his, uh, what his best is for you. I hope that this, you know, I hope that for some of you, this frees you. 
And you know what? You, you for the rest of your life, you're counselors to many, many other people. And I pray that, uh, that through the message today, uh, that there will be people who can avoid the years that Sabrina and our family endured because I was confused on this. And I didn't see in antidepressants a manifestation of the grace of God. And we didn't reach out and, and take hold of help that God had offered us. Show of hands, how many of you right now either are depressed or know somebody, I'll start with that, how many of you know somebody who right now who's depressed? Raise your hand. Wow, that's a lot of hands. Uh, let's just take some time and pray for those people. You know, because God wants them to find healing. I'm going to just pause and I want you to put that uh, person, that friend, in front of your mind. Lord, We all pray right now for those people. You know who they are. We intercede on their behalf. We pray for breakthrough. 